0: Meet the new boss, Joni, you blew it, and Chuck Grassley owes someone a visit. Happy Fat Bear Week. This is What a Week. I'm Matt Sinovic, the Executive Director of Progress Iowa.
1: And I'm Lauren McEmile, the Digital Director for Progress Iowa.
0: Welcome to What A Week, where we break down the week's top stories. We'll get started today with with a new speaker of the House in the Iowa House of Representatives, Linda Upmeyer, who was the first uh, woman to hold that position in the state, stepped down uh, recently. And the young Grassley, Pat Grassley, um, took her place after an election among the Republican caucus members on on Monday. Lauren, do you think what, what do you anticipate any changes will be with the uh, with the new speaker?
1: None at all. <laughs> okay, but I think yeah, they will. I think they will maybe lose their, uh, and we can talk about this a little later. But I think they'll lose their like their high ground that they think they have that they're like, we have the first uh, woman speaker and she was a Republican. So we're great. And they, they kind of lose that, that ability to be on that, their high horse about that. Cause they literally elected an entire male team. They do
0: a little bit. And you're right. We can talk about that in a minute. Um, but, but uh, a little bit more, but we should, I think first um, mention the legacy of Linda Utmire. Um, she the linda legacy the linda legacy um she gutted collective bargaining for public workers passed uh two abortion bans one was overturned um and this last term uh pushed through a judicial reform that no one asked for as you eloquently put it here in the notes um and not only did no one ask for it they didn't campaign on it they They snuck it into the legislative session. They
1: passed something that Mm -hmm. they didn't campaign on. Yeah, and that I mean, that's a lot of
0: what we just talked about, or what what we just listed off, um, or how how that went down. Um, But they took, they basically gave more power to the governor in in appointing judicial nominees, um, and took it away from what we had had in the past is a merit-based selection process where judges have to apply and and go through um, a a commission. And so now the governor has a lot more control over that process, injecting politics into it like it has not been in the past.
1: Which I also think that like, if and when a Democrat becomes a governor, they're going to work real hard to be to kind of flip that back and have it be like, sure. oh, never mind. We, the courts are too partisan now because we're letting we're letting the governor who it's- is a who is a duly elected uh, official have more power. When their whole thing was uh, with this reform was that the people of Iowa weren't getting a say in yeah. who was on their courts. Which I mean, our system is nationally ranked and has been in place for as long as Chuck Grassley has been in office. Yeah, he and, re- he voted yeah, for yeah, it he when voted he was in the for state it. legislature. In yes.
0: The, in the sixties, I'm pretty sure. And if so. you
1: and Chuck Grassley is very old, so in case you were wondering <laughs> how old it is, uh, It's old. It's old. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: uh, no that's that's a really great point. I don't I think they there's a lot of these short sighted um, decisions that are made that kind of cut down our institutions, like the – this is a, uh, a slight tangent, so sorry, but the, the, the decision or the policy to, to limit what the attorney general can sign on to. I mean right now there's a Republican governor and a Democratic attorney general, so it's working out for the Republican Party now because they can stop Tom Miller from signing on to lawsuits that they don't agree with. But at some point – there very well could be a democratic governor and a Republican attorney general. And we need that kind of check and balance, that kind of independence in our, in our system. And that's just not a healthy way to have a government to, to have, to let our institutions, you know, succeed.
1: Yeah. And also one of the really important parts of the attorney general's office is to provide oversight and also to provide, you know, impartial, um, legal readings sometimes, especially, um, getting th- back to 2017 when, uh, Kim Reynolds first became governor and there was a whole thing about whether or not she could actually appoint a lieutenant right. governor because there was some random loophole in the Iowa code and the attorney general was asked to provide a reading because he is the topmost you know lawyer in the mm-hmm. state and I think that if we're kind of tying his hands that's gonna number one come back to bite everyone and especially if and when Democrats retake the house or retake the governorship or yeah all these things and then i mean Republicans will message the heck out of anything and say like oh well you know just and hope that like no one remembers that they're the ones that did the thing
0: right i mean ultimately he's elected so he works for yeah. the pe- for the people of yeah. the state not the governor so he shouldn't have to report to the governor yeah um so anyway moving back onto that to the house uh, transition here. The news of the week, which I mean, uh, Pat Grassley, um, un- <laughs> unlikely, Grassley. unlikely, uh, overcoming great odds. Uh, oh, yes, didn't have any, you know, he
1: probably really worked for those votes and you know, did, did a lot of you know, handshaking and uh, and promising and campaigning for it. And you know, it had nothing to do with perhaps his name recognition or something,
0: yeah. And I, I mean, it. There were reports that Senator Grassley uh, was was uh, calling members of the caucus. I don't we don't know if that's true or not, but but Pat and Gras- and other Pat
1: Grassley has said that he did not ask for his grandfather's help, and and uh, I, I mean probably the
0: kind of thing you don't need to ask yeah, for though. Like, but I'm guessing <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but um, but I'm sure uh, he still
1: benefited from some from it somewhat.
0: Um, that's that's how, priv-
1: that's how privilege works.
0: That's uh. That's certainly right. Um, So regardless of how he got there, they do have a completely new uh, leadership team. Um, And uh, you worked in the legislature. So I don't I mean, are were you surprised by what this what they came out with when when they announced their new team of uh, of of legislative leaders?
1: I was not surprised that Pat Grassley became the new speaker because, I mean, this is this is a clear path on his trajectory that like, this is definitely a stop along taking his grandfather's Senate seat in 2022, because that's how this is going to work because Chuck Grassley has made it that way. And it's like, Iowa's least well-kept secret, worst kept secret that Chuck Grassley wants Pat Grassley to take his seat when he's done. And and clearly, I think Chuck Grassley is going to be done after this term. Yeah. go back to mowing his lawn.
0: Didn't we like fight a war so, at some point to prevent some sort of so like dynamic, hereditary, some sort of dynastic
1: sort of thing? Yeah, you like know?
0: monarchy type, I, I type mean, situation. I mean, I wasn't in
1: that meeting, but I feel like that right. was a thing. Yeah. Um, no, I was. I was most surprised that Matt Winchittle was elected majority leader mm-hmm. because he is. Greg is miming how his beard, how Matt Winchiddle's beard looks. It's so Look, big. It's <laughs> Look.
0: We're not going to be beardists here, okay?
1: Anyway, uh, Matt Winchettel, uh he's he was Speaker Pro Tempore, which is a completely different um, position where you just kind of fill in for the Speaker because the Speaker does other things and just sit in the chair. And but I didn't, I don't think that like. Matt Winschittle is representative of the, well, maybe he is, but I don't think he's the image that I would necessarily want to project if I was the Iowa Republican caucus because it was previ- previously Chris Hagenow who was like, he looked like a moderate lawyer and I mean, he wasn't, but I I am surprised that they went with someone who is sort of so fringy and someone who is extremely vocal about all of the the positions he holds whereas I think Chris Hagenow was very much kind of like a a blank slate that you could like project your own positions onto so I think that was why he he I mean I don't think that he was a good majority leader but he he made it look more I think professional and put together and like less threatening whereas Matt Winchettl seems like the kind of like fighter majority leader. And I also am like a little bit wondering if, if and how he's going to fundraise as that kind of like fringy type of person. And maybe they're going to go full on into like Democrats are trying to take away all of our guns and
0: that's what and they all always, they say, they always yes. do.
1: And so maybe they're just leaning into their fringiness <laughs> that has been kind of an undercurrent that people are not necessarily as familiar with when you see faces like Linda Upmire, Pat Grassley, um, Chris Hagenow. And maybe this is a, this is a turn into, uh, into leaning into the fringeness. And then John Wills is the new speaker pro tempore. So he takes over for, um, Matt Winschettle and John Wills was previously the majority whip. So the majority whip position is currently open. And, um, I'm willing to bet that they're not gonna put a woman in that position, although I have some thoughts about who could possibly yeah, be the it. Yeah, you were talking
0: it. about that. Who do you who do you think uh, could get the gig?
1: I mean, well, I also think that like the the optics, I'm not surprised that they would like have an all-male leadership team at this point because they are they are, you know, screw the optics of Having of replacing a woman with a team of mediocre white men. But the Iowa GOP really loves to point to their token women and be like, see, we're not anti-woman. We have women. The Iowa GOP House Caucus does not have a ton of women. Uh, so this was a pretty small pool to pick from. But, I mean, Megan Jones has pretty young kids, so I don't know if she would take it. I could I could see her taking the majority whip position if she wanted it. I think it would be hers if she wanted it. Um Ashley Hinson is running against Abby Finkenauer mm-hmm. in Iowa so One and out. that would cut into her campaigning time. And Marianne hanusa isn't fringy enough, I think, for the caucus that's gonna be led by Matt Winchittel because Hanusa did not vote for the collective bargaining gutting and, like, several other things that Republicans were really uh, gung-ho about. And, I mean, Shannon Lundgren or Sandy Salmon, I think, could do it. But I'd, I would see Lundgren maybe taking it more so than than Sandy Salmon. And everyone else, I think, is just too new. So, yeah. I mean, and there's also, like if they decide to be, you know, Republicans about it and be like, we don't care about optics and just have an all male leadership team. I mean, I don't know if that's something that like would necessarily resonate with voters who don't pay attention to like this sort of stuff. But I think there's something to be said about like, you're not, you have more women than you've ever had in your caucus and you're not going to have any of them in leadership that's a bad look
0: yeah i don't know if it matters to like if someone who's voting in the legislative election if that registers with them or not but it it probably matters to the perception of the caucus it probably matters to the um to the probably to their maybe not ability but like how well they recruit candidates Mm -hmm. um i think generally it's understood that you have a tendency to recruit people who are similar to yourself yeah i mean um not always but um so i think if um
1: i mean there are several republican state legislators who all look the same so that's that's a they've taken it literally
0: um so that could be that could present an issue for them as well but but i think that no matter what i mean you're gonna have and no matter who fills that last spot like you're gonna have an agenda that is Absolutely awful. Yes, um, it's going to be a continuation of everything that Linda Upmeyer was doing um, prior to this. So I think for me, that's the bottom line. I mean, you have you have you have much more of the same as far as the policy goes. The rest of it, I, I you know, we'll wait and see. But I mean, this is I mean, uh, this is another legacy uh, uh, or or uh, inherited uh, position. Um, yes.
1: Speaking, speaking of legacy is, uh, I mean, this is kind of starting to set a precedent that, like, people who have had relatives who are in power, are, the transference of power seems to be easier. Um, and I, I don't think that, like, I'm sure Linda Upmeyer worked very hard for for her job. Um, I'm not 100% on Chuck Grassley. Uh, not Chuck Grassley. Um, Pat Grassley. Chuck Grassley, I don't know. Chuck Grassley Moses lawn, I suppose. Um, But so Del Stromer was the speaker of the House in the 69th General Mm -hmm. Assembly, and that's Upmeyer's father. And so she, I think, had an easier path, maybe, to getting the speakership. And I definitely feel like Pat Grassley had a very easy time getting to this. But is this setting a precedent of these kind of dynastic sort of power structures which is again i hope not not, we'll see, not but what I hope not, not what yeah. we you know not what we all generally believe in but i also think that um in Iowa, starting land this week uh i think it was pat reinerd wrote about how iowa is kind of weird about like the status quo and like we had tom harkin for a long time chuck grassley has been our senator for longer than any of us in this room have been alive Mm -hmm. and i think that there's maybe this is also like kind of competing with this idea of that we need more inclusive diverse voices at the table rather than just kind of the old guard so it'd be it'll be interesting to see how these how these two kind of phenomena come to a head
0: up next senator joni ernst completely and utterly fails um when asked a question about foreign interference in our elections, um, we're just going to play the audio right now. This is an interview uh, that was uh, that w- we picked up the CNN coverage of it. Uh, it was covered widely all uh, in, in media. Um, Iowa starting line gave it a boost and, and it was covered uh, by a lot of outlets. But just take a listen and then we'll pick it up after after we hear the senators uh Failing response. While well,
2: we have you, I want to ask you: um, Is it, do you think at this point, uh, talking about the, the impeachment inquiry, do you think at this point, is it appropriate for a president to ask a foreign power uh, to investigate a domestic political rival, yes or no? Well, again, I think we're going to have to go back, just as I said last week. We'll have to wait. All of that information is going to go to Senate intelligence. But Whether is it appropriate we, just the ask itself? Is well, it appropriate? We, again, we don't have all the facts in front of us and what we, we see pushed out through the media. We we don't know what's accurate at this point. So again, going through a bipartisan I'm not asking what's accurate, I'm asking I'm asking you if it's appropriate for a president right. to ask a foreign power to investigate his domestic political rival, yes or no? I would say that I don't know that we have that information in front of us, and I'll just stick with what I've said all along. Are you concerned? Why won't you answer the question? Are you concerned about retribution? No, I am not. What I am saying, though, is that we have a picture that's painted by media, and we don't know what's accurate or not. So what I would rely on is the information that's coming forward, both through the whistleblower report, through um, any complaint that has been given, and through the transcript, all of that will go to Senate Intelligence, they will sort through that in a bipartisan fashion without media interdiction. They will go through asking you to rule what on is, it. We're just asking no, you if the we'll ask itself the is yes, appropriate. Is the ask itself appropriate? Your it quick reaction Thanks just everybody. to the polling. Fifty eight percent. Fifty eight percent. Let me just ask you about yeah, sure uh, the polling. Fifty eight percent. Fifty eight percent of Americans now support the sorry. Another- you
1: blew it, Joni. Yeah,
0: I mean, how do you get that wrong? It is it isn't. No, the answer is no. It's just no. If a for if if a president asks another country to intervene in in our election, is that appropriate?
1: Um, no,
0: no, no. Let's practice. Let's no. just, let's just no. model that behavior for Senator Ernst. No, no. It's it's pretty easy. And your two even year
1: old could probably answer that, that question he better. She certainly
0: could. Um, and so the. Even if even if she wanted to give the same answer that she just gave about we don't have the information and we need to get the we need to investigate and da 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 da, da all of that and it's being portrayed by the media and how or whatever she said about that she could still have said no it's not appropriate for the president to do for any president to do this that is a line in the sand that you do not cross um, and. So it's We're it just, just
1: all knocking over sandcastles. Yeah, sandcastle.
0: yeah. It is mind-boggling that that either she doesn't believe that or she, she doesn't get how problematic it is politically. She
1: hasn't read the whistleblower report as of like current reporting. So I mean and I'm sure she's very busy holding these town halls where she just like gets yeah. gets questions and gets to talk about how much she loves guns.
0: And the other the other thing that we have to remember is that even before the whistleblower report came out, the president said that he did this. He said that he asked Ukraine to, to investigate the Bidens. He then released a summary report, summary transcript, not the actual transcript, where it lays out very clearly that he asked the Ukrainian president – to, to do this, to investigate his, one of his political opponents. So there's no real question about the fact that the president asked, that President Trump asked a foreign government to get involved in, in, in going after one of his political rivals. There's no question about that. But even if there was, the answer is still no.
1: I mean, Joan Ernst likes to portray herself as, like, as like a maverick or, like, you know, someone's going to go make Washington squeal, and she's really just become a party hack.
0: Yeah, this is as—that's that. That's a great way to put it. That answer is about as hacky as it gets. I mean, there was no—I mean, the reporter even had to ask if she was fearful of retribution. That's this, how bad that answer was. This was, like,
1: impeachment answer bingo. Like, she
0: <laughs> she talked about
1: how it's—the pro, the problem is with the media, and— there and retribution, and you know, just not just obfuscating and everything. So, everyone who had that on your bingo cards, knock it, up. uh, just knock that off. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: in summary, uh, Senator Ernst, you blew it. You the, blew it, the, Joni. The answer is just no.
1: So, recently, uh, one of our rock star activists has been diagnosed with cancer and. She, her name is Robin Stone, and she was the woman who held Chuck Grassley accountable at his town hall over the summer, mm-hmm. and we'll play, we'll play a little bit of what she said to Chuck Grassley and how kind of demeaning and condescending he was to her uh, now, so you can take a listen. What is your plan millions like, to Americans like myself covered? Those of
2: us with pre existing conditions, people who are on their parents' insurance, and again, people like myself who need life guaranteeing medication. We will lose our insurance and i probably be dead in two no. months. Well, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, uh, and she's asking only because the courts may declare it unconstitutional. I don't think the courts are going to declare it unconstitutional. You've voted because seven it, times for a Yes. Why? What are you going to do for people you on yourself? What? First of all, it's not going
1: to get repealed. Then you slow that. Well, no, no. I, I mean, I, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to really restate my question. I want you to answer me personally. as a person whose life
2: depends yeah. on insurance. Sure. I would be dead in 60 days, or less, without the Affordable Care Act. Is it because of pre-existing conditions? Yes, well, and because of life well, guaranteed medications. There's no there's no question about keeping uh, pre-existing conditions in the market. That's you only the Affordable Care your, Act care? In in the, in that? If that's your question, and so so the, the Affordable Care Act is the law of the land, and it's not going to be repealed by Congress. Do you think it's going to be repealed tomorrow? You to
1: vote for repeal? <laughs> the last time we
2: voted for repeal was when McCain voted the other way, and there's no chance of repealing it now. Besides, if we pass in the Senate, wow. we'll get it through the United States House of Representatives. So what? You, so what are you worried about? I've been voting for
1: repeal. You're threatening my life. So I mean,
0: that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and she after that town hall meeting, that video was shared so many times and kind of give gave a lot of inspiration for people that are in similar situations or want to speak out. And and in fact, it was picked up by the uh, uh,
1: Lawrence O'Donnell. Show.
0: Yeah. And and she so Robin was on an interview by Lawrence O'Donnell earlier this year. Um, so. Uh, but since then, unfortunately, like Lauren said, her, her health has taken a turn for the worse. Um, and and Robin can no longer speak, but she recorded, she has asked repeatedly for Senator Grassley to apologize to her, to visit with her uh, after that interaction at that town hall meeting. And so from her hospital, she she again asked for Senator Grassley to visit her. So we'll play, there's a little bit of audio through a voice, through, um, through text her to phone.
1: Talk, uh, a yeah. text talk service. And we'll also post the video in mm-hmm. the show notes and it's also available on Progress Iowa's Facebook
0: page. So we'll play that now and then, and then talk about it a little bit right after.
1: My
2: name is Robin. Many of you may have seen me talking to Senator Grassley about the Affordable Care Act. Well, my health has taken a turn for the worst. I was diagnosed with a deadly form of thyroid cancer. I can't no longer speak, but I still have a voice. This is the rest of my story.
0: The rest of the video is Robin holding up signs that uh, that you can read because she cannot speak. Um, but to make sure you could uh, hear it clearly, it was thyroid cancer. Um, and she has piling up medical bills, which is just... Another layer of of sort of awfulness uh, in addition to being sick, and so we really will encourage all of you to watch watch her video, to visit her GoFundMe page, donate if you can, um, and then call Senator Grassley and tell him that he needs to show up and pay Robin a visit, apologize for um, for getting in her face, for being for being just awful and rude, and for even more than that, for voting so many times to take away the health care that Robin and all of us uh, need and deserve.
1: On a happier note, there was some actually good news this week and that it is Fat Bear Week in I Alaska.
0: I do not know what Fat Bear Week is, so you need to, I, I, I need to learn. So, t- so tell me what this is.
1: So, in Alaska, in the Cat uh, Katmai, National Park in Alaska, the park's be- brown bears eat nonstop, basically for like the past couple weeks. Sounds so glorious. that they can, uh, so that they can uh, pack on enough fat and and muscle and everything to basically survive through hibernation. So the Katmai National Park asked people to vote March Madness style for their favorite fattest bear. This year, it was one named Holly, and they said she is fat, she is fabulous, she is 435 Holly, all hail Holly, (laughs) whose healthy heft will help her hibernate until the spring. Long live the queen of corpulence. And I wish we would talk about people this way because that that is a problem. But you can go on to... um, they actually have a live stream where they have cameras set up (laughs) where the streams come together where the the salmon are spawning and these bears go and basically catch fish. And it is, number one, the most soothing thing to watch, just nature. And, I mean, this is a national park, so I'm real glad that my taxpayer dollars are going to this because this is the kind of good things that don't happen a lot these days. And it just makes you... So happy to just watch bears. <laughs> and,
0: I'm very excited uh, to watch the live video. So we, we will post that. Uh, how do do we know how long, how much longer oh, they're it, gonna have the video up, or?
1: Oh, I think their live stream is just like
0: constant. Take,
1: is a constant thing. Like
0: throughout the year, or do I we mean? Know, I like, would imagine so. I've, okay.
1: I've watched. It. I've been. I've had okay. this up since about Tuesday. Got
0: it. Okay. <laughs> um. So. I
1: have been doing work though. So.
0: Uh, thank you so thank you all for joining us this week for what a week fat bear week um, and and we'll be sure to share that video uh, on, on the online as well
1: oh, sorry I was looking at the bears <laughs> they're just so cute and I know they're dangerous and everything but oh, they're great what a week is produced by progress Iowa as part of the potluck media network and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you For more information, visit potluck.fm or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. See you next week on What a Week.